are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. And I'm McClaskey. Ulysses is gone. Ulysses is on the COVID IL. <laughs> Francisco Mejia gets off the COVID IL. Ulysses goes on the COVID IL. I'm just kidding. He doesn't have COVID. I don't think. <laughs> uh, we are the host of the Locked On Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making Locked On Rays your very first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Rays is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube at Locked On Rays. We are also accepting mailbag questions, Locked On Rays at Gmail. Dot com. That includes you, Evan. If you want to email us a mailbag question or come up with a couple of fake, oh, oh, I'll, oh, I'll text you. Oh yeah, that. But, works but cool. you, you know, you're right. I should be throwing out fake emails at you. Yeah, do whatever you want. We, I mean, some host a little inside baseball. They just make up questions because they don't get emails. That doesn't happen to us because we, we actually do get emails. But regardless, um, let's talk. That's, that's great reverse psychology. Like you, you actually are faking the questions, <laughs> but you're telling people you're not doing it because you're actually doing it. I like where your head's at. You all will never know. You all will never know unless you hack into our lockdownrays at gmail.com account. Anyway, um, Evan. Actually, before we get to the rays, couple things. Um, Tampa Bay Lightning have started the playoffs. That's right. What is your confidence level in them being able to get beyond the Maple Leafs? Uh, 40-60 to 50-50. I'm a little – I just think this thing's going seven, and it – it's really tough because on paper, I think the Maple Leafs are the better team. But again, the, the Bolts had the experience. I don't know what, what would happen if the Bolts win game three and then the Maple Leafs start hearing all the chatter up there in Toronto about, yeah. oh, no, here comes the collapse again. So um, I'm still pretty guarded. I'm guarded. Um, we'll see. I, have, I honestly have not followed hockey very much of late, but – is it fair that maybe the Lightning have, okay, we've won two. What are we playing for at this point? As, as the luster of, of the grind of a championship and, and holding up a Stanley Cup kind of lost a little bit? I think, I think that was certainly the case in game one. Mo- and not more of that. It was just more of you kind of have been there and done that and you kind of forget how excited you're supposed to be playing the postseason. And I think for them, they just entered game one, like, Oh, we're just going to roll in there and it's going to be playoff time. And then the other team was just so jacked up the way that you're supposed to be. And they were like confused. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, why are you playing so hard? (laughs) Um, But you know, they, the the following night, uh, the following game, I should say, they really did step their game up and they allowed the Maple Leafs to kind of, screw around and get overexcited in some elements, make some dumb penalties, and then they capitalize again. They are a wily bunch of veterans, so I'm not counting them out uh, by any means. It's the young whippersnappers against a wily veteran. So, um, you know, game three, I think, is pivotal at home. The balance of power is in their favor, and if they just take care of business inside Emily Arena, that's all they got to do at this point. Second of all, before we get to the Rays, I want to get your take on this. Uh, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How do you evaluate their draft in a nutshell? Safe. I, okay. I, there's nothing overly excited about it. Uh, 
exciting about it, but they um, they addressed all the needs that they needed to address, and they are going to be well stocked with their depth entering a season where they have a lot of great players and starters where none of those guys would have cracked the rotation anyway. So um, I don't think there's a lot of high ceiling guys in my opinion, but I, I also see a lot of high floor people as well who will just be, you know, hanging out on the two deep and maybe we see them develop in two to three years and we're talking about them a little bit more. Yeah. All right. Very good. There's your wrap up of uh, the lightning and bucks. We can finally get to the Rays now. Um, last time we spoke, Evan, last week, we were a little bit doom and gloom with the Rays. Pretty good last couple of days, getting a sweep against Oakland on the road. First time that they had gone into Oakland's house and gave them a nice clean sweep. And now you face, the Rays face, a reeling Mariners team that just got swept by the Astros and are traveling from Houston to the West Coast while the Rays are already on the West Coast and on a nice little winning streak here. Four-game series against a team that's struggling, the Rays maybe building some momentum here in the last couple days? Uh, you would like to hope so, right? Um, I mean, first and foremost, how embarrassing is it when Rays fans are making fun of Oakland for the amount of attendance they have? In yeah, their it's going to be really, really bad. And it was really, really <laughs> I've bad. I've seen better numbers at Jesuit uh, <laughs> and plan high yeah. school. Um, but – Look, you know what? I, I think we're going to look back on an Oakland A's series, not just the one that they had in Oakland, but the one they had in the Trop. And I'm going to feel like they let one slip away because I don't think I, I, we all believe Oakland's not going to be a contender, right? They're not going to be a good team. Right. So taking four of three in the grand scheme of things probably, in my eyes, is not good enough. You probably needed five of two. True. But, but you're hoping that maybe along the way that you kind of pick up some other games and, and uh, you know, maybe a sweep here or a sweep there that are, um, you know, kind of trump whatever you, you didn't do against the A's uh, in, inside the trop. That comeback, Mike Zanino, I think is, uh, you know, you're starting to see him bop yeah. the ball out, getting singles. He's starting reg- to regress to the mean as his average, I think, is like 110. I don't know. He, he's, he's above 100, baby. He's made it. <laughs> hey, we're getting there. Like, uh, like your golf scores above 100. <laughs> yes, seriously. Um, but, you know, on top of that, uh, I think that they are playing a little bit of a cleaner brand of baseball, at least the three games we saw in Oakland. I think yeah. that was the raise that we expected entering the year. I mean, if we're going to go back to the last couple games inside the trop against Minnesota, much of the same issues just i mean you know taylor walls right out of the great right out of the gate makes an error on sunday in that game and it completely ruined the flow and fleming got bombed and who knows if fleming would have you know eventually gotten bombed if he got that first out and was able to kind of build on that stuff so yeah uh but it's it's still it's still kind of going back to the same thing they're just not scoring enough consistently. Uh, they they had, you know, they were able, that that first game against Oakland was great. That was probably their cleanest win of the season. Just right. you were able to watch that uh, without barking at the TV and being very yeah. happy. And then you know they they sure they scored ten runs uh, in in game two, but also seven of those runs came in the final two frames. So they still entered the ninth with only three runs, 
and then you go back to the series finale and luckily the pitching was on point with Kluber because if it wasn't, they would have lost that game too. It took them until the eighth inning again to finally get runs on the board. And it was a two out hit by Manuel Margot in a balk. So yeah. I still have some pretty big concerns with this group offensively. There's issues. There's issues here. They're not, they're not consistently putting up runs in bunches. Summer is on the way. And with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Well, Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags, in your kids' backpacks. Make sure that everyone has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. Why? Because Built Bars contain just 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, just 4 grams of net carbs, but 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar which usually has around uh, 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and, of course, dozens of net carbs. So go to Built.com to get all your favorites, banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, and so many more. I can tell you that they are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. And you can check them out at built.com. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, L O C K E D, the numerals 15, and that'll get you 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off $500. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. So use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside go to bluenile.com today uh i do want to get your take on this um and we'll kind of see if the offense can keep some semblance of momentum against the mariners where they are facing robbie ray and chris flexen and logan gilbert who was what the al pitcher of the month and Marco. he's been unbelievable yeah yeah so we'll see how they do in that series but uh since we last spoke, the Rays sent down Josh Lowe. They've made, you know, some a lot of things have happened in the last week. Francisco Mejia is now off the COVID IL, uh, from my understanding, and they also called up Isak Paredes, who has had a pretty good showing and debut for the Rays. Does that complexion move the needle at all for you? Uh, no, I, you know, I, I think if you go back to the last episode we had, right, I said, how, how much longer are you going to keep Josh Lowe up yeah. with, you know, at some point you got to let him get his confidence up again because he was just a net negative player, uh, even though he still had some good feeling. Yeah. So I think that was the right move, sending him down. Mejia at least provide, you know, you, you hope that Mejia is the same player he was at least offensively, not defensively. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's well, a whole nother story. Yeah. Um, but right now Zanino's kind of picking it back up. So and that and and oddly enough, that's sort of what happened last year, if you remember, that that Mejia kind of started out being hot, and then Zanino was getting every other day at bats, mm-hmm. and then Mejia went down, and Zanino just stole that job from him and was yeah. bop the amount of home runs he bopped. Um, 
But overall, nothing really moves the needle except the fact that if Isak is producing with the bat, he's got to play. And I'm glad that we're getting a look at him because they need some injection into that lineup. Uh, You know, I'm not going to give him a ton of kudos for in the extra innings, kind of chopping one over the third base. Yeah, there's there's some you got to look into the numbers a little bit when digging into how he's performed since being up. But as far as long as he's getting on base, he's getting hits. I don't care. He's in the lineup in my eyes. Yeah, it's funny because I look at I'm just looking at the box score in that win against Oakland where the Rays scored 10 runs, five in the 10th inning. And outside of Wander Franco, I mean, you, you look at the bottom half of that order, it, it, it leaves a lot to be desired when you, and I know uh, Brett Phillips has had his heroics, Taylor Walls has had his moments, Kevin Kiermeyer's had his moments, but the, the lineup looks, it, it does, it, Definitely is not as intimidating as it was last year. I think the numbers speak that and the names speak that without Austin Meadows, who's changed his game completely. He's now, I guess, a gap-to-gap hitter instead of a power guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, Nelson Cruz isn't doing good, but he, he did well with the, the Rays towards the end of last season. We know the name recognition he has. Joey Wendell's killing it. Tommy Pham is starting to pick it up for the Reds. So I still feel Willie like – Willie Adonis? Yeah, that, that's oh, another guy too. Yeah, though I mean, and we this is for another podcast. Yeah, the trade that they wanted Jonathan India, and then they end up getting JP Fireyes, and that was their. I don't. Know, it was an interesting uh, quid pro quo or whatever they were trying to do with that. Right. You know, for anybody out there who still wags their fist at the Willie Adamas trade, just know that Willie could not hit inside the trap. Like, that was yeah. That was never going to change. You you could you could put glasses on. You could put special contacts on. It was going to be a physical thing, a mental thing, a visual thing. It just that was. We saw enough of that experiment, so to speak. Yeah. So I just so, want. I mean, it looks on paper bad, and when Willie, especially what he did last year with Milwaukee, and then what he's doing right now, he just bopped another two home runs on uh on this Thursday yeah. that we're recording, but. Again, if he ever came back to the drop and played a three-game series, which is going to happen every other year now that they're going to change the schedule, right. he's not going to do well. He, he's not going to hit well. He just – yeah, I can guarantee it. A um, couple things before we move on here. Um, Corey Kluber showed some really good things in his last start against the Oakland Athletics. Um, have your expectations at all changed for him going forward because he's had a really, really solid last couple of starts. I, I don't know if I recall what you expected for him coming into the season, but I know he's not going to, not every outing is going to be six innings pitch, one or run, no walk, seven strikeouts on 60 pitches. But if he can be as efficient and as effective as he was there and mixing all four pitches and the, the pitch ability, the command control, it's like, wow, uh, that that's a nice, that's a nice piece to have in your rotation where, you don't know what you're going to get from Josh Lemon. You don't know what you're going to get for Ryan Yarbrough. You don't know what you're going to get from those injured guys who may be coming back and not quite be ready. Shane McClanahan could have a slip up at some point. I mean, who's to say how effective Shane Boz is going to be or, or how how much the, the Rays will let the leash out on him. So having a Corey Kluber on a one-year deal where he, he wants to pitch, he wants to go out there and make that $13 million, I think it's it's huge. Um, and again, I know it's the athletics that that offense is so God. We talk. Oh, about I mean the first. I mean, what he pitched yeah. last against the Twins, though, right? And his his first great start. Yeah. So I mean that 
that's a potent lineup. I mean, that's a great team over there. So we can meet in the middle. Yeah. Um, so, okay. First off, we have not even brought up Ryan Yarbrough, which is a discussion we can have another oh, time. God. Yucky Yards is back. <laughs> oh, um, he's back. And he's trying to make up I for think, lost time. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if that was all entirely his fault. I know it looks bad, but I think if I look, I didn't watch much of the game. I saw the highlights, and I think he might have gotten squeezed in a bad moment, and the defense let him down. And there was definitely uh, a grand slam turned on a pitch that I mean, you really had to bring the hands in to, to send that and deposit it out. But again, we you're you're not there to give up uh, fly ball home runs. You're you're there to get weak contact, weak ground outs. If you're Ryan Yarbrough, yeah. I mean, the biggest problem was he wasn't throwing strikes, and we can talk about getting squeezed. But Ryan Yarbrough needs to. He, if he's walking guys, he's in trouble. So that was that was more of my issue with that one. Uh, and the long ball continues to be an issue. But going back to Kluber, if I remember what I said about Kluber last week, what I said was a. I'm still concerned about his injury history. That I'll believe he makes it to the end of the season. When he does, now I reference Rich Hill did that. You know, he he you know he gave me the proverbial finger last year and, and yeah. made it to the end of the season, and he's still he's still uh, shoving. But um, uh, the other thing which I, I think I should maybe backtrack a little bit was you asked me about him being in the rotation in the postseason and and that not really having much effect on me. I think maybe I was underselling it a little bit, watching his success and, and, and now seeing him for a couple of starts yeah. and finding his groove and understanding like, okay, this is a guy who can go six or seven innings. This is a guy with the Cy Young pedigree. And if he does tap into a parcel of what that Cy Young pedigree was, then you got something here and, and a pitcher who has – pitched in some big games has been a part of, of uh, those big stages Yeah, for a young rotation, he would help them immensely. So I'm, I'm going to call myself out for that comment. If I remember it correctly and, and take that one off the board, but I do double down on the fact that I'm still not overreacting yet because we saw Kluber throw a no hitter last year and he yeah. barely pitched the season because he got injured again. So we have to manage our expectations until we can truly believe that this guy is going to be on the mound every five days. Yeah. And I mean, if he's going to continue to roll out, uh, you know, get through five or six with 55, 60 pitches, I think that that goes a long way as opposed to it taking up 90, 95 to get through six innings strong. So that's a big component there. It's just, it, it, it's so impressive to watch with a guy that doesn't have elite velocity anymore still being able to generate swings and misses, particularly on that curveball down and away from righties and not being, uh, not being afraid to pitch inside to lefties. You know, I know it's not much of a fastball, but you know, 91 and on the hand still isn't an easy task for a lefty Um, question though. So Corey Kluber, you, you stack up his numbers, Shane McClanahan, you stack up his numbers. I know just foreshadowing a little bit, who do you think will wind up having the better season when it's all said and done come October? Before you get to the postseason, and assuming everybody's healthy, right? I just assume take take everything into account. Who's going to have the better year? And I mean, it could you, you can measure it I'll go, in I'll go combination of innings pitched, ERA, strikeouts. Like I mean, if Corey Kluber only has 
uh, 80 innings, but a two and a half ERA. Shane McClanahan throws 150 innings and a 3.4 ERA. I've given yeah. Shane McClanahan. So I uh, I'm going to go Shane McClanahan. Okay. I I love what he's doing. He's striking out batters at a high clip. The game where he lost against the Twins, I think that was Kevin Cash going against the strategy of what they usually do with him. They pushed him a little bit too far. I know that Shane has that dog mentality, and I know that Kevin wants to give him that leash because he's earned that right. I think that was a reminder to Kevin, hey, I got to trust my gut here in the numbers and pull him when I know it's time. So I think, I think that was just proof. Hey, like go out on top, cash out at the casino a little bit earlier, uh, you know, while you have all your money, but his strikeout numbers and what he's doing, as long as he can reduce the, the mistakes, the home run mistakes, right? He, I mean, he's elite. If he can do that, that's an elite pitcher. Not a great pitcher, an elite pitcher. So what I see in Shane this year is what we saw in Glasnow at the beginning of last year. Right. Glasnow was a little bit sharper, more of a Cy Young candidate once you got through April, to be honest. Like yeah. It's not, not there yet. But just the overall dominance and when he's clicking, he is lights out. And he's been mostly – impressive it's just literally it's like one or two mistakes per game he gets bombed on and it's crazy how he oh like his mistakes always go over the wall it's like edwin diaz watching he throws a mistake boom over the wall yeah dominant and boom it's crazy because it's like that one because sometimes you can get away with mistakes but he just is not getting away with those mistakes like uh, you left the slider middle plate you left the fastball middle plate and it got hammered you you that one you can't you can't get it by that one time, but it's like so much of the rest of his start is so eloquent. And then it's just like one or two bad pitches and it kind of ruins the round a little bit, so to speak. Um, yeah. He's like, he's like the Jordan speed, the pitchers. Yeah. In a way, another golf reference. There we go. Um, gut reaction. Will Shane McClanahan win a Cy Young in his career? I'll just say no. I got to play okay. the odds. The odds, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's um, Although, could, could, do I think that there's one season where he will be in the running? I I think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it kind of depends on your definition of running. I mean, if top ten, top eight, top six, I think absolutely he could be in the running at some point in his career. I mean, if Robbie Ray can come out of nowhere and win a Cy Young with two pitches, I would yeah. think eventually that Shane McClanahan. I think he'd be a top five Cy Young finalist. I I would just think that, and I know I just mentioned Robbie Ray, but lefties, how many lefties have won Cy Youngs in recent memory? I can't think. I'd have to look that up. We'll save that trivia question for. Yeah, uh, that'll be a, that'll be another trivia question. Okay. Before we move on to Ulysses. Yeah. Save it for Ulysses on the COVID IL. Um, No, he's got, uh, he's got a sore lower body like uh, Wander Franco. Um, Before we move on to, uh, I'm definitely concerned about. By the way, just side note: like this guy's got soft tissue injuries, and Kevin Cash is gonna have. Like, I want to. Like, there was a game he had to go from first to home yeah. in Oakland, and I thought Kevin Cash was going to be beside himself running through the uh, the stop sign there at third. 
Yeah. It, it's funny. He's, he's being told not to play hard in some instances. It's so. It's just the way that he's, he's wired. But I think the coach, what, what Wander has to learn is that the coaches really just don't want him exerting too much energy yeah. on plays that he doesn't have to. I think that's the big thing. Like when you ground out the first, and I know fan, like it looked bad, but when you ground out the yeah. first or second or th- when it's an easy routine play, like just dog it. It's okay. Like, right. You, we need you in the lineup. You got to be in the lineup. If you're not in the lineup, it does me no good that you, you hustled your butt over to first. Yeah. Remember this happened with Bryce Harper too. When he was, when he was younger, they told him the same thing, you know, he was running into walls. He was put on the injured list a couple of times, the DL back then. Yeah. And then uh, they said, look, man, I love the fire, but you're worthless to us if you're sitting on the bench chewing gum. So you have right. to be on the field. And if that means you let that ball hit off the wall, let the ball hit off the wall. You yeah. got to play aggressive within the means of your, you know, your body and not taking – taking silly risks. I mean, if you're going first to home, that's just, I mean, that's part of the game. If you get hurt, I mean, that's part of the, but grounded a second, just go back to the dugout. Yeah. It's so funny because in a way it, it is, and I guess should be different rules for Wander Franco compared to say Taylor Walls or Brett Phillips where those guys don't have the luxury of, yeah, you can, you you gotta, you gotta go all out when you have those opportunities. That's sort of part of your, your makeup, like Wonder Frogger, his makeup is hustling, but like, yeah, yeah. So um, it's it's so funny because we, yeah. we complain about guys not hustling, but it's like we kind of what this is. We're twenty games in or twenty five games in, and we're already dealing with this for it's a long season, and you include playoffs and this is he's supposed to be a spry twenty one, and he's already dealing with this. Imagine when twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven, he puts on some pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Tough. No, it's going to be a concern. Um, well, my, it's, it's the fact that it happened last year and, and, and resurfacing this year, it's something to watch out for. They're going to have to figure out some way to manage his body a little bit. If that's still happening. Yeah. Th- this could be total speculation on my point, but he is so thick and strong and not, I mean, bulky in a good way, but you wonder if maybe too much heavy lifting, maybe he has to change his routine to more of the, uh, you know, the Pilates and the yoga and the, 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 the TB12 method and Tom Brady. Basically, in, in a way where you got to Yes, exactly. That long, lean muscle as opposed to just, you know, trying to bench 350 pounds, you know, whatever it may be. Well, that's Tiger Woods how it was when he started lifting weights and, and what happened to his body. Hey, Evan Klosky is trying to set a record sure, for golf. Can you fit two more in? Let's do it. Um, all right. Before we move on to baseball trivia, name that war. I, I will open up the floor to you regarding this. Um, Taylor Walls in his defense, it seems to have improved the last couple games. Has your view on him changed at all um, with his early season struggles, particularly defensively? No. The, okay. <laughs> like he needs to string together a full two to three weeks of not making an error and then maybe I'll change my ways. But honestly, you know, his bat is going to come down and then you're going to have to ask yourself the question, why does Taylor Walls get to play every day and Brett Phillips doesn't? When Brett Phillips, if you look at his baseball savant numbers right now, he is unequivocally one of the best defensive outfielders right now in the league and he plays 
half the games that everybody else on that list are playing. Yeah, that's a good point. Although Taylor Walls is a switch hitter and he works counts and he draws walks and he has more versatility on the infield. I mean, it's the, the Rays have don't they have enough outfielders as it is? But I mean, if he's not quite the, as, guy, if the guy saves, if the guy saves runs, he say right. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the Rays to go full like beer league softball outfield and just put Kiermaier and Brett Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> Only two outfielders and then have a Rover and then just kind of like litter in your infield and just see what kind of ground they can cover. Go nuts with it. Go nuts with it. Look, I'm willing to give Taylor walls a little bit of a break because he has been a shortstop his entire life. I wonder if he's secretly rooting for Wander Franco to continue to have a lower body issue so he can continue to play short. But I think, Personally speaking, I think having to move around from short to third to second and deal with the throws and deal with the um, the difficulty of not knowing where you're going to be playing every day and, and knowing that you didn't grow up playing third base and and all that comes off of that. Um, I think it's I think it's I'm going to give him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. At least give him till like after the all-star break before I know he's made, I know no, he is going to be a better field. Like it is, it is so like he's going to regress to the mean and he's going yeah. to have a stretch where he doesn't make errors. That's fine. I'm just right. saying that like his calling card more than anything is defense. And that has not been there. And yeah. honestly, he's actually, and again, I was looking at the baseball Savant numbers. He's one of the worst defensive players on the Rays right now. <laughs> Yeah, according to the yeah, if you look at the outs above average metric and and all that, it's funny because I, I remember Joey Wendell had that issue too when he was playing third base. He made like eight throwing errors at one point, and it was like, what's going on? with some sometimes you make one error and it turns into four. You know, that's just that's little, true. Yeah, I'm for sure, yeah. for sure with you on that. Bet Online is your number one source for all your sports betting stats and info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, and this weekend's run to the roses as the Kentucky Derby is back. Bet online, it is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online. It is where the game starts. Let's move along. Baseball trivia. I have for you, Evan, another Mets trivia question. I uh, you didn't do too well last week on the Mets trivia, so I'm gonna try to help you redeem yourself here. Um, last week was, I guess, it dealt with hitters. Most games played. This week is most saves in a Mets uniform. I have a list of 10 guys who have compiled the most saves in a Mets uniform. They range from, giving you a hint here, 276 to 69, tied for 69, two guys are. Uh, Give me five of those names. Benitez. First name? Oh, Armando. Armando Benitez. He is number two on this list with oh, there's two Benitez's. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, fr- uh, Franco, John Franco. John Franco is number one with two seventy six. Um, Billy Wagner, number five with one hundred and one. Uh, K Rod, 
Francisco Rodriguez, number eight with 83. I need one more. And then... Man, it's 69. God, I'm trying to think if, if Edwin has, has gotten to the bottom 10, but that shortened season... Because, I mean, now he's entering. He's like 13. I'm going to lean off of that. Um... Uh, hold on a second. I'll get this. You have Franco, Benitez, Wagner, and K-Rod. I'm missing, uh, I, I, uh, Orozco. Wow, that's not who I thought you were going for, but that would be correct. Jesse Orozco with 107. Very good. I was, the 86 Mets were in my head, and I couldn't forget the dang name. No, you're good. I'll give you the rest of the list here. So, uh, number three is Joris Familia with 124. Oh, Familia, of course. Yeah. Uh, I, number, I blocked him from my memory. Yeah, good point. Uh, number six is Tug McGraw with 86. Okay. Great name. Uh, number seven, I don't know who this is, Roger McDowell with 84. Roger McDowell. And watch Seinfeld, Roger McDowell in the, in the grassy knoll. Oh, okay. I'll have to rewatch that episode. It's then. the greatest, greatest Seinfeld episode. It's a two-parter. You won't regret it. The JFK. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's a that's legendary. Um, and then tied with sixty-nine, two guys, Neil at Neil Allen and Edwin Diaz. It was Edwin. So if it would have been Edwin, I would have gotten around. Okay. Yeah, but I give you bonus points for getting a Roscoe because I had no idea who that was either. So. Yeah, the uh, I was because I was just afraid that like that that 2020 season wouldn't have given him enough saves. But I figured I was like, nah, 69 seems about right for where he's at because now we're entering year three, right? Or year three or four. Man, I forget when that deal was. We're getting there. That, yeah, no deal. All right. You have named that war for me. Who is the, the player du jour? The name that war is former Ray slash former everything, Miguel Miguel Cairo. Oh, my God. I thought you were going to say Edwin Jackson because he played for like 16 games. <laughs> Miguel Cairo. Oh. <laughs> the, I mean, this guy carved out some career with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams. Oh my God. Former Ray or former Devil Ray or both? Former Devil Ray. Good good follow up on that. It could have been both, but no. Middle infielder, correct? Correct. Though he could have played yeah. Miracles too, so. He could have played. Play- he played for how many teams? Nine. Nine. Okay. I mean, he could. Uh, he definitely never made an all-star appearance in his career. He probably never accumulated more than two war in a season. Uh, probably stole some bags. Got a couple home runs here and there. Probably a decent enough average. Uh, I'm going to say if he played that long, he had to at least, you know, maybe generate a war similar to what Jed Lowry has right now. I'm going to say 15. You, Miguel Cairo is a big fan of you. This guy, this guy has played from 1996 to 2012. He played that long and he got a 7.6 war. 
hey, as long as you're above replacement, you can keep a job. At least back in those days before, you know, the the raise system of doing business came about. He uh, is actually the most, I think the most home runs he had with the team was with the Devil Ray. He had back-to-back Five, oh, sorry, I was looking at triples. Nope, never mind. He had eight home runs with the Devil Rays combined. His greatest home run season was eight, and that was the second to last year he played in Cincinnati. So he's like a uh, like a Juan Pierre of the infield, although more so, because Juan Pierre never hit home runs. He, he put up, I, I would have thought he had a few more home runs than that, but I was thinking around like, okay, 260, 270 career batting. When he was like... When he was with the did better than 99.9 get called up to the big leagues. Yeah, so. and he stole 69 bags with the Devil Rays, and then he only had 139 for the rest of his career. So, Wow. Or he That's had one total, but 69 were with the Devil Rays. Interesting. And he gets the Venezuelan bump courtesy of Ulysses. That's there right. Go. He does. Very good question. Evan, it was a pleasure. Uh, maybe you'll bring the lightning some good luck and bring the race some good luck as well. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Thank you. Excited. Let's hope, uh, yeah, let's hope to keep the winning ways rolling. Yes. Uh, thank you again for making the Locked on Rays podcast your very first listen every day. Now make your second listen, the Locked on MLB podcast. Uh, That is also free and available on all platforms. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Stay safe and we will talk to you next week.